Welcome back to Talking Talmud. I'm Ann Gordon here with my friend and Chavruta Yardena Azband, our daf of the day, Masachet Ketubot, daf Lamed Chet, page 38. So on Amadal, fairly near the top, well, maybe even in the middle, we've got a new Mishnah, and it is a very much a Ketubot Mishnah. Now, maybe all the Mishnah, Yardena, we should track this. If the Mishnah themselves talk about all Ketubot issues, and then it's the Gemara, the Amorayim, who take it further afield. We should pay attention to that question. I, I, I think that has absolutely been the pattern so far, but I'm answering okay. that from not having paid attention to it the way you just formulated <laughs> it. But I think, but I, right, true. exactly. But I think it's true. Yeah, no, no, no. the Mishnah's on. The Mishnah's on point. <laughs> the Gemara is the one who's like, was like, yeah. let's talk about the Zikin. Let's talk about Truma. Let's talk about Kohanim. Okay. Now, So we have a woman, an Arash. She's not that old, and she has, but she's not a katana or at least not in this word, na'ara. And she has become betrothed, and she also has been divorced, which implies that there's no status of marriage in between from the time of betrothal to the time of divorce. Rabbi Yossi Aglili Omer, ain la knas. Rabbi Akiva Omer, yesh la knas u knasalatma. So Rabbi Yossi Aglili says that she would not receive that fine if in the event of rape. And Rabbi Akiva would say she does receive a fine in the event of rape. And not only that, it's paid to her, but not to her father, right? Because she's no longer under her father's roof in the same way that, let's say, and uh, somebody who had never been betrothed would be considered under her father's roof. Uh, she's not subject to his, his dominion, his authority, however you want to translate it. Um, the Gemara here, of course, wants to know what is the rationale of Rabbi Yosei Aglili to say that she doesn't have that, that knas, that she would not receive it in the event of rape. God forbid. My time is Rabbi Yosei Aglili. This is the Gemara. Amar kra asher lo orasha, orasa, sorry. Asher lo arasa. Ha orasa, ain la knas. So what happens? We've got a verse here from the book of Devarim, Deuteronomy chapter 22. Where the verse says, the, the Gemara here doesn't bring the entirety of the Pusik, but if you look it up, it basically explains that if a man finds what happens, he finds a young woman and she was a virgin and she was not betrothed, meaning it says explicitly that she was not betrothed. And this is the discussion of rape. And therefore, the point is that if she was, if the Torah is going to specify that she was not betrothed, then we can infer from that, meaning not only can we, but we should infer from that, that had she been betrothed, she would not have gotten that payment because the, the verse is talking about the rape and the payment, right? The implication being that had she not been betrothed, then in the, in the event that she doesn't have a betrothed status at the time of the rape, at the time of the, at the, time of the assessment and the time of the payment, Right. Because we have here a woman who was betrothed and is no longer. Rabbi Kiva asher lo arasa la via ha orasa latzma. So Rabbi Kiva says, "Well, fine, yeah. In the event of her being betrothed, of her not being betrothed, then the fine would go to her father. But from then on, meaning if she is betrothed or she had been betrothed and now she is no longer betrothed, as in our case in the Mishnah, because she is divorced from the betrothal, then she would receive that." fine herself, meaning both Rabbi Akiva and Rabbi Yosei Aglili agree that this is a di that the betrothal status changes the nature of the knas payment. Rabbi Yosei Aglili says it's not paid at all. Rabbi Akiva says it is paid, of course it's paid, but not to the father, to the woman herself. Um, the Gemara goes on to talk about, you know, what are we, we talking can about? Can we just discuss that? I think that's like pretty amazing. That she gets paid herself? Yeah, like in other words, once you do that, it's 
yeah, like once you get, even if it's a rooster and like it doesn't go fully through, you're on your own. You know what I mean? Like there's an agency that gets developed for you. I, I just think it, it, the halacha didn't have to be that way. That's all so I, mean. I would say that I would say that with our modern eyes and ears, this sounds very liberating and autonomous. And I think that we also need to keep in mind that the whole reason that they then established Ketubah, right, was that there should be mon- some monetary protection for the woman who is no longer neither betrothed nor married, and now she's divorced, and does she have any, and not under her father's house, or her father's roof anymore, under his authority, she's on her own, and how is she going to cover herself, you know, support herself financially, keep track of, you know, whatever. It's not so, it's not just the beauty of autonomy, I think. Oh, I agree, right, but I think it's giving, right, it's economic protection. Absolutely. But it didn't, but it's still, even in this case, it didn't have to be that way. They could have just said, you go back to your dad. That's true. That's true. It does not say, right. There's a recognition that as soon as she's left her father's house, going back home, you know, you, you can't go home again. She doesn't, the, her status has changed and she's never going back to that childhood status, even if she were to live under the same roof again. I think you just found the title for our episode. People always want to know when we do that stuff. Well, now you know. <laughs> it, just pops, <laughs> it just pops up. Okay, keep going. Sorry. <laughs> okay. So the Gemara goes on, right? It says, The Gemara wants to know, right, if it's the case that when we take that verse from Devarim and we say that the knas against the person who was raped, Anara, Right? Is is it only on somebody who's raped in Ara, this young woman? But what about an adult? What about a Bulgarian? Right? That's that's a good question, right? Like why would somebody and because there's no like the the age of an Ara is not exactly defined, right? Meaning she's older than a katana, but what's the stage that you get to Bulgarian as opposed to Nara? And obviously there's a good discussion about that within the halacha to figure out exactly when that's going to be. But it's not an it's not like an obvious birthday type of thing. Um, so the Gemara wants to know this. So and then the Gemara goes on. And what about the case of, you know, if she's if she was a virgin and she was raped and she's getting this knas to herself, or what if she was no not a virgin and she was raped and does the money go to herself? Meaning all of these. Once you've got a status of betrothed, divorced. There's many, and and I'm sorry, Nara betrothed, divorced. Then there's many questions that are going to come into the parallel cases where one of those details is different, right? Where she was um, not a Nara, but a Bulgarian. Where she was not only betrothed, but even had been married, let's say, to the extent that we could presume that she's no longer a virgin, but then she gets divorced. But now also there's a case of rape after that. What happens to that knas? Does she get it or does she not? Hachinami dlatzma. Ella Lagamre Hachanami Lagamre. So the Gemara concludes and says, You're talking about a grown adult woman. You're talking about somebody who's a non virgin. There, you're talking about situations where the rapist would, and I hate to say this, but would be completely exempt from paying the fine, right? Because the monetary, the economic difference for this woman, the the penalty that he is paying is because of her presumed virginity. And when you remove the presumption of virginity, then he is no longer obligated to pay that knas. So the same way that he would not have to pay in those terms, under those cases, right? So then here too, he would be, here too, he's exempt 
from paying the fine in the event of her being a betrothed woman, right? And that's exactly where we get this whole muddle of, uh, muddle, machloket, let's say, of the Mishnah, where Rabbi Yossi Aglili wants to say she doesn't get the pay- she doesn't get a payment at all, right? Meaning even without the verse, because you can just look at the standing to say that that's enough for the debate. Now, this debate goes on. I have not exhausted it, and I... It, Whatever conclusions we're, we're pausing at the middle of, I don't want to leave people thinking that this is it. It goes on not only for the rest of this Amud, but on to a good chunk of the next of the of the the next Amud. Um, and it's going to pop up later as well. But I'm going to hand it over to you, Yordana. You know, pick it up at, at whichever point in the middle of this that you would like to. Yeah. So uh, on the next Amud, you know, there's a discussion about... Um, uh, sort of the source for this. And it, first of all, it says something very interesting about Rabbi Akiva, and then we're going to get to another opinion here, right? So it says, Bishlama Rabbi Akiva Dematninan. So the statement of Rabbi Akiva in the Mishnah, right? Bishlama, it makes sense, right? Lo ate Gezeira Shava, right? Because a Gezeira Shava, umipaka le lakra mi paste legamre, because it does not come and contradict basically or or not agree with the verse from its from its shot okay right but uh but according to Rabbi Kiva of the bright remember there's Rabbi Kiva the Mishnah and then later on in the Gemara there's Rabbi Kiva the bright right in that one it says it totally it it, it, it totally um uh disregards sort of the actual shot Right. So what do they mean by this? That in other words, in the Mishnah, right, where it says in the Pasuk, right, that she's not betrothed. Right. So there's a difference between a young woman who has a Rusin, right, and then gets payment of a fine and one who is not. And the father gets the payment of, of the fine. Um, right. And that's how he makes that distinction that the woman who had a Rusin, even if that ends, Right. And it doesn't get to the next stage. It doesn't get to Nisuin. She's the one who would get her fine as opposed to her father. But with the Brita, right, the Kazera Shava that he uses in the Brita, it teaches there's no difference at all between any young woman who's uh, who who was betrothed or not betrothed. Now, I, I just wanted to read this part because they don't really resolve this. It's more just like an observation that they make. Um, and I'm kind of surprised that they sort of are just like, Okay with that. Now they get to Rav, Rav Nachman Bar Yitzchak. I'm a Rav Nachman Bar Yitzchak. Kribe Asher Lo Arusa. Right. So he says, take this pasuk of Asher Lo Arusa. Right. And he's going to basically say it's not going to mean a young woman who was not, who didn't have a rusin in the past. Rather, it just means she's not currently in a state of a rusin. Right. Arusa Batskila He. Right. So an Arusa woman is punishable by stoning okay so in other words what this means is is that if a woman who's an arusa okay um is is raped okay she's actually he's punishable by stoning and so therefore the rapist is actually exempt from having to pay this fine at all right so you might have thought to say Right, since it's a chiddush. Now, remember, we had this a couple of dapim ago with Rabbah, so it's interesting to me that we keep seeing this word chiddush appear in this para because we haven't seen it so much, right? Because you might say that this is a chiddush, right? That the Torah sort of uh, brings about or introduces 
um, when it talks about the fine, right? The Chiddush here is, is that even though he's going to be killed, the rapist of an Arusa, he still pays the fine. And so therefore the verses teach us that normally, right, one who's going to be executed actually does not pay the fine. So that's sort of like the Chiddush that's here. But according to Rabbah, remember this was back to a discussion we had before, who said that it is a chiddush about this payment of the fine, even though he's killed. What do you say? What do you learn from this verse? In other words, Rav Nachman needs this verse to teach this chiddush. But Rabbah already holds this verse, already holds this chiddush. So you don't need this verse to teach this chiddush. So what is he going to do with it? So Rabbi is just going to hold like Rabbi Akiva, who interprets the verse, this pasuk basically as it's written, meaning it's referring to somebody who was in Arusa and also was divorced. So I think we have a couple of things going on here. It's very common that we'll have a Mishnah and we sort of have to go through like, what is the case of the Mishnah, right? What's the Mishnah actually talking about? Uh, and even in the discussion of Tanayim with Rabbi Akiva and the discussion of the Mayim with Rabbi Nachman Bar Yitzchak, like they have this pasuk of, uh, you know, of Asherlo uh, Arusa, and they have to figure out, like, what does it mean? What's the actual context of it? Because it's actually not so clear. So what you're really seeing is like a form of exegesis that then impacts halacha based on how you actually understand this pasuk. And I find it very interesting that, you know, they sort of go back to Rabbah to say, well, Rabbah already had this chiddush, so he can't use this pasuk, so we sort of have to figure out where Rabbah, uh, you know, holds in all of this. Like, it's, it's, it's really, it's holding so many threads. I, I just think it shows you how many trains of thought the Gemara actually has to be aware of at all times. Like, yes, we we thought we'd wrapped up that discussion about Rabbah, but no, no, no. It's since we now have a discussion here that's talking about Rabbah, we have to go back to that as well to talk about it. Um, and then I just want to add with one quick thing here, Tana Rabbanan, Kinasala right? So again, they're going to quote a bright tick here, right, about who is, who gets the actual payment, right? Is it to her father, Vyesharim Latzma? And some say it is to her. And again, they go through this discussion again, Right, I'm a Rafchitsa. Rafchitsa says, "Hacha benarash nitarsav nitkarsha askinan." So Rafchitsa says again, we're dealing with a young woman who had erusin and then was divorced, right? And the and basically the kama fligei bepalukta de Rabbi Akiva de mani number Rabbi Akiva de Breita, and the Tanaim in the Breita, it's basically a disagreement between Rabbi Akiva the Mishnah and Rabbi Akiva of the Breita which is also like an interesting way to set up a machlokas of Tanaim. It's not two different Tanaim. It's Tanaim of two different Tanaitic sources that seem to contradict each other. So I, I don't know. I just find there's like a lot. It's a short stop, but there's like a lot going on. And they're keeping track of a lot of different source material just on this one small Um. Yeah. And I think that it also goes to show just how much juggling Chazal were doing in terms of all of these concepts and also, you know, the vast, vast amount of knowledge to be able to then apply it to these various different cases. Yeah, there, there's just a lot that is uh, exactly, there's just a lot that's going on here. 
Well, that's our top discussion for the day. Rank us, review us on all major podcasts. Thank you to Reverend Eaton Michelle Farber for hosting us on the Hadron website. Let us know what you thought about this stuff on our Talking Time and Facebook page. And until tomorrow, go and learn.